There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. My name is Danny Kelly, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Borlbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, including which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are not as good, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Off Guard. I'm your host, Austin Rivers, along with my co-host, Pasha Hagigi. We are officially past the trade day, trade, sorry, deadline. Some news, some big trades. I don't want to say big trades, but definitely some important trades. Um, let's get into it, man. I'm sure you got everything lined up. Yeah, first of all, you know, kind of a snoozer, you know, a Carlos snoozer, if you will, of a trade deadline for me. I mean, listen, we knew that it wasn't going to be a big one once Zach Levine went down and... Uh, you know, I, I'm just a little more shocked that teams like the Warriors and the Lakers, with their aging superstars, right, their generational players, they kind of just didn't make moves. Um, and they were kind of fine with the team that they have, both of them either in the play and the Warriors currently. I don't know if they're, I don't even think they're in the play right now, but um, them not making moves was probably the biggest surprise to me at the deadline. It's interesting just because um, it's a tough position for the Warriors to be in. You know, we talked about it a variety of times on the pod. They kind of started this when they got rid of Jordan Poole um, in terms of doubling down with the team they just had. You know, if you wanted to go young, uh, which is a tough decision, I'm not saying it's, it's easy for us to be able to say do it. You know, if you're Mike Dentonlevy Jr., it might not be the easiest decision to make when you're trading Hall of Famers and historic players from a franchise, right? But if you were to do that, you would have kept Jordan Poole. You'd have Jordan Poole and Kaminga right now as your two young players, which would be great. You'd have all the little young players that they're playing right now around them, the Moody, Polinski, all these little, you know, the other guys, role players. Um, before the season, Clay's value was a lot higher. Even on an expiring contract, it's still higher. Uh, Draymond's is questionable because his contract is a lot, uh, and he's a big personality. But I think even then, you could have moved him for somebody. And again, I'm not saying he, he should have done this. I wouldn't have traded Draymond or uh, uh, Clay. But if you really wanted to, if you really wanted to start over, that would have been the wave, right? Um, with that, with, with with that being said, they weren't going to do that. There's just been too much there. Can you imagine being a president trying to come up with deals to make to trade for Clay Thompson or Draymond Green without getting your house burned down? Um, <laughs> you know what shot I'm saying? The so shot, like shot the TLC. Yeah. So <laughs> it's very, it's very, it's very hard for him to to make some of these moves. So. What do you do? You keep the, uh, the spirit alive. The main reason that is because the third player, Stephen Curry, is still playing like prime Steph Curry. And they're trying to build a team around him to see if we can still win a couple more with him. You know, this guy had 42 last night versus the Pacers, six threes in the first quarter. Um, he is a marvel to watch. They realize that. So just by seeing that every night, in their eyes, they're like, the window's not closed for us. We have our core guys who we won a championship with a couple years ago. Um, so it's just difficult. There's, there's there's nobody out there in the trade market to even get. You're going to get a DeJounte Murray. I, think, th Good I think that's the biggest thing, too. There weren't a lot of, there weren't guys that were really available that were going to move the needle for the Lakers or Warriors. You know what I mean? No, no, neither of them. And again, DeJounte Murray's a really good player. He's just a very uh, specific player. You just with him being a 
you know, not that he can't shoot, he's a capable shooter, but he's not tagged as like a spacing guy, you know, who can shoot. Um, so, you know, they weren't going to go get him, especially they don't need DeJounte with Steph. And, you know, it just seemed like there was nothing to be made. They kind of just have to stick in the mud right now and just hold it out and see if things get better. Uh, they went and got a dub last night. You start there. You just keep kind of putting these games together, stringing games together. You hope that you get uh, improved play. Wiggins is starting to play a little bit better. Um, you hope you can get that from Clay. Uh, and, and that's where they go. You know what I mean? Listen, man, again, it would have been very easy. Hey, let's trade Draymond. Let's trade Clay. Let's, let's build around Jordan Kaminga, and then Steph will just be here, and we'll see what we can do with it. That's not what Steph wants. That doesn't agree with Steph's times table. Um, and it, it's a very tough position to be in. So they're going to have to stick it out and see you know, what they can do this summer. Uh, people keep thinking, well, why don't you just keep Clay and let him build his stock back up and let him hoop? It's like, bro, they're going to resign Clay probably this summer. I don't know what type of deal that'll be, but, you know, it's very hard to move one of those guys, man. The, the Warriors are in a funny position. You know, you just got to hope the guys that they double down will start to perform a little bit better. That's a good point that you made, too. Uh, listen, if you're going to be the GM or, you know, the guy that trades at Clay Thompson or Draymond Green after everything they went through and their legacy with the Warriors, it's not going to be for, and this is with all due respect, for DeJounte Murray. You know what I mean? You're not going to put it all on the line and trade this, this you know, this such a staple with this franchise for DeJounte Murray. I just, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, another reason, no. you know, they didn't make a move is because the Warriors have actually been playing pretty well since Draymond's came back. And, you know, you can say what you want about Draymond. When he's out there, they're, they're better. And they have been winning more games recently. And that's probably another reason they're like, you know what? We still got these guys. Let's roll the dice. And in the summer, we can see what we have. Um, same with the Lakers with like, you know, D'Angelo Russell, you know, he played his way out of the trade rumors. And I think yep. that's a big part of it. And they Respect do the have D-Lo. a good team. And, this, and, you know, I'm the biggest LeBron fan in the world. You know that. Uh, LeBron, you know, he, he has a good roster. You need more help. I, I hate to say it. They have a lot of good players. You saw Jackson Hayes last night. If he's going to play like that and bring that kind of effort, they have a really deep, talented roster. I don't know what's going to happen with Gabe Vincent if he's going to come back and play. But if he comes back with the guys that they have, Cam Reddish, all these people, Vanderbilt gets healthy. They're deep. They have a really good team. They went to the conference finals last year. They could look around and say, we can do it again, too. Um, and Anthony Davis has been healthy, too. So, yeah, I mean, credit to Rapalinka. Um, He put this team together this past summer. Uh, everybody said he pretty much had the best summer in terms of as an exec, putting a team together, re-signing some of their key pieces, all their key pieces for that matter, and then adding good players that had good seasons last year. No, Gabe Vincent hasn't been great for the Lakers, and he hasn't even really been available uh, due to injury, but he you know, was a big-time player for the Heat's run last year going to the finals. Was able to grab him, Achimura back, Torian Prince, uh, Christian Wood back, uh, or they, re- they actually signed Christian Wood, um, you know, the list goes on. They've added all the necessary pieces. They signed Reeves back, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, this team, before the season started, everybody's like, this team is going to be fit to make a finals run. That's what everybody said. You know, fast forward to now, we've had some struggles, and now, you know, we have LeBron tweeting the hourglass or, you know, walks out of the game with a New York towel on his back, all the little subliminals. subliminals. It's one of those things where, you know, you just... Again, he knows better than anybody else. He's in the locker room. But just from the far, they do have enough. Healthy Anthony Davis and healthy LeBron James, okay, so there's that. That's already enough to make a run. And then you add that with, they have shooting. They have Troy and Prince. They have Cam Reddish. You have Gabe Vincent. You have D'Angelo Russell. You have uh, Hachimura. You have, like, goddamn, bro. 
You've got a lot of good role players. It's all solid, valid pros. You have Austin Reeves. Like, bro, they have hella pros on that team. Yeah. Guys who are like certified good basketball players. They have enough. They haven't played well enough together as a team. They have not, especially defensively. Um, you know, Darvin Ham has to be better. Uh, and, you know, just as a leader and a voice in that locker room, like LeBron has to be better, man. You know what I mean? It can't be an hourglass tweet a couple of days before the trade deadline, bro. You know what I mean? Again, I understand he might have been talking about something else because I were not him. But the timely, you know, tweet of that nature, just like, come on, bro. So it's just like you want to see him kind of double down and put his arm around D'Lo and be like, man, you're playing great for us, bro. We need this. Keep going. You want him to put his arm around Reeves and be like, hey, man, we need you to keep doing this. You know, keep stepping up. Da, 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 da. I also think Darvin Ham needs to make lineups that are more tailored around Reeves' success and D'Lo's success. LeBron and AD know how to get their success. These guys are generational talents. These are Hall of Famers. They'll figure it out on their own. If you can get consistent good play from X Factors, from Reeves and D'Lo, if you can get consistently kind of get the ball in their hands a little bit sometimes, let, let them kind of get their beak wet, I think that team will go a lot farther and have a lot more success, uh, especially when those two are playing well. They have enough, so I don't think they needed to make any moves. Again, the trade market was really, really bad, which is why you saw teams like Warriors, Lakers not do anything. Uh, they really held tight. So, you know, we'll see. This summer will be a lot more interesting. Yeah, and you know what? That game against the Celtics when, uh, when you know, obviously LeBron and AD were out and all those other guys stepped up and played really well, that might have been the nail in the coffin for them to make a move. I think they saw those guys and they're like, okay, we, we do have some guys. You know what I mean? Like, I think that, that game right there might have solidified. I think we're going to not sh rock the boat and make some yeah, move man, that might make us worse. The team has enough. They have enough. Yeah. They do have enough. They just have to be better. Accountability yeah. has to be you know, presented uh, in that locker room just because they have enough pieces, man. They do. Right. And also last year at the trade deadline, them making all those moves and then having that conference finals run, that doesn't necessarily mean you can pull a rabbit out of your hat, you know, this year too. That was a very, that was awesome what they did, but you can't probably replicate that, you know, exactly. that same kind exactly. of success, you know? Um, okay. So Great another point. team that didn't make a move that you and me have been calling for them to, you know, rebuild is the Chicago Bulls. They haven't made a trade since March of 2021 when they traded for Vucevic. You know, that's three straight years. That's three years that they haven't made a, a, a move, a trade, or anything. I don't understand what they're doing. I really don't. Uh, they're like in no man's land. They, they, they're just good enough to maybe squeeze in the play-in, uh, but they're not bad enough to ever get any top picks. So they're not seriously contending for anything. They're not getting anything by making the play-in. They're not getting a medal or a plaque. Uh, they don't get anything. And they don't even get top picks due to their record being just solid enough. There's no place worse to be in professional sports than the middle ground. Um, I only say that just due to the fact that they don't even have pieces that you can like build around with the exception of one, and that's Kobe White. Uh, Kobe White's the, you know, the, the light at the end of the dark, dark tunnel for the Bulls. They got a guy that they can you know, essentially put in as a point guard and kind of build from there. So why don't you start doing that? Stop, you know, don't, don't waste Kobe's prime, right? You got a 23-year-old uh, hooping his ass off going out there playing basketball, turning into a starting point guard star, right? Build around that, and you got a lot of assets that you can move off, but you didn't do that. DeMar DeRozan is, is going to you know leave this summer, possibly, unless you have to resign him again and hope to trade him again, uh, which they should do because he doesn't fit that timeline at all, and DeMar needs to go somewhere where he can compete again. I haven't seen DeMar DeRozan in a competitive atmosphere in terms of actually trying to play for something since fucking Toronto. Uh, he had a couple years in Chicago where they were decent, but injuries have really killed this team. You know, the injury of LeBron, uh, Lonzo Ball really started the downfall of the Bulls, um, which is a credit to the type of player Lonzo Ball was. But they 
are in the middle of the pack. They have to figure out what they're doing. They should have, I, I, again, people are like, well, there's no play. You just said there's no assets out there in terms of the trade market. They don't need players. They need picks. Teams have picks. Get rid of everything you got except Kobe White. Everything you got and get picks and picks and picks and picks and more picks and get worse players. They need to be trying to have the worst second half of the season. I hate saying that out loud, but they, they should be putting stuff out there that could lead to, 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 to losses. Get it, go get yeah. some lottery picks, man. Go, go, go rebuild, bro. Go, go, go like rebuild Chicago's team. Like at this point, man, you know, it's just, it's not, they're not even in the realm of conversation of like competing for a title. Uh, but they're like in the ninth spot, man. They're like just good enough to like not get any top picks. It's just, it's leading to a future of uncertainty there of average mediocre. Right. And them, them not even trading like you know, a lot of teams could have used, you know, Andre Drummond in limited minutes has been really productive. And a lot of teams could have used a, a big like that. And them not even getting off him or, you know, their asking price for Caruso was super Caruso. high. Yeah, yeah, it's just like silly stuff, man. Yeah, it's tough. I I, I do think Kobe White's play. You're right. It, it's it's the bright spot for that team this year. But he's been so good that they've been winning just enough games that if they kept them from like okay, maybe we don't need to make a move. I think if otherwise they would have been rock bottom and they would have had to have made a move. You know what I mean? But it's just interesting to see what they're going to do if they keep Demar Derozan this summer, which I saw a report that they might. I, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all, given you know, Kobe White's timeline. So. We'll see if they can even get off Zach Levine after the injury. Uh, another team that did make a move. I was a little surprised by this move. They, The, the Suns targeted Royce O'Neal, and they got I him. I love it. You, okay, so you like that move. I thought they needed a point guard. They do need a point guard, but listen, I, I, I like I like DeJounte Murray. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I like, uh, yeah, I like DeJounte Murray, but, you know, again, you look about point guards on the market, I don't know what was really out there for them. In terms Malcolm of Brogdon? Would, Malcolm Brogdon would have been great. That's a great player. That would have been great for them. Um, yeah, that would have been a great pick. But I do like, I, I like Royce O'Neal. They, they needed another defender, another guy who can guard multiple positions, spread the floor. He's like a Kogi, but can shoot better. Um, so, you know, he'll probably essentially take a lot of minutes from that. I, I, I like Royce O'Neal. They needed some, 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 some toughness, uh, some perimeter wing defenders. Uh, and they went and got that. Again, it wasn't a very heavy market, man, out there in terms of trade. And possibilities. There weren't a lot of guys that were out there. You kind of have to kind of figure out what you can get. Ross O'Neal is a proven pro and a guy who's played on playoff teams, had success with playoff teams. He's a good, you know, really plug and fit guy that you could put in Phoenix's rotation uh, who can give them some toughness, some perimeter defense, and a guy who can hit down an open shot. That's pretty what you need uh, for the Suns at this point. They got three guys who are going to have the ball in their hands all game. They're playing much, much better as Brad Beals. Shout out to Bradley Beals. Bradley Beals yeah. are playing a lot better. They, they, they're, they're a dangerous team. No, they're figuring it out. And, and a lot of that's just been due to them being like, okay, yo, Brad, we need you. And Brad's like, yeah, I need to be here. I need to be more aggressive. I need to really like throw myself in there. You could see the first couple of games. Obviously, he was hurt a lot, so that, that doesn't help. But then when he was playing, he wasn't really involved in the offense as much as you would like him to be. And then we started making like Ray Allen comparisons, you know, like finding ways to kind of get his shot off. He's done that a little bit, but he's also like, they've actually just given him the ball and be like, yo, you know, go do your stuff. He's getting out there, really getting his bag, being Brad Beal. So with him playing at that level, uh, along with obviously KD and Devin, they have kind of all the pieces there uh, when healthy to really make a run at something that they're dangerous. And Royce O'Neal is another guy you add to the mix as a role player who can go out there and do all the little things for you. So I do like to pick up. 
I like Royce O'Neal. He was obviously KD's teammate last year too in Brooklyn. So obviously KD, you know, he probably signed off on it and liked him as a player and wanted to bring him in. Uh, you know, with Bradley Beal oh, had yeah, 40 yeah, points. Point. Bradley Beal had 40 points the other night uh, against the Wizards, homecoming game for him. It just shows they have three guys that can go off for 40. And that is going to be something that's dangerous in the playoffs. You know what I mean? That 40 is impressive because you know you went into the game trying to get 40. Anytime you go into the game trying to do something and do it, it's more impressive. It's one thing to go out to a game and hit a couple of your first shots and you get hot and you hit a 40. That's what happens most of the time for every star. To go into a game, like a return game, and be like, fuck, you know, I'm scoring 40 on my old team. And then going out there to do it is mad impressive, right? Uh, got to give credit where credit's due on that. He went in there and had 40 versus old team in his first return game. That's, that's tough. And got the W. Shout out to Brad Beal for that. Throwing 40 on the Wizards head top. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. So I want to get to the big winners of yesterday's trade deadline. I think it's between two teams. I want to get your take on it. The Mavericks, they got Daniel Gafford, a lob threat. We all know Luka's really good with a lob threat. They've been relying on Derek Lively, who's been in that, you know, first of all, he's young. And he's had some health concerns, injuries. Yeah. So to have another guy like Daniel Gafford, who's, you know, he could start for them. The guy's a legitimate lob threat. We don't know how Luka plays with those. And they also added P.J. Washington. Them or the New York Knicks, who, who got Bojan Bogdanovic, who for last year yeah. couldn't go. They, they, they wanted two first-round picks for him. Ended up getting off him for Quentin Grimes and a couple of second-round picks. And they also got Alec Burks, who used to play for the Knicks a couple of years ago. He's a Tibbs guy. Who won this trade deadline? Well, first off, let me just say this. There is a price to waiting too long to move somebody. A lot of teams get greedy with the asking price, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait. And a long time, it's like, it's like you know, trying to sell a house. It's like, when it's on the market for so long, man, that price has to start to drop because people start to ask, why, is it, why isn't anybody else sold? Why isn't anybody else bought? It? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, that's the question that gets asked. And with Bogdanovich, he's, he's getting Bogdanovich is getting a little older with every year you wait too. He's thirty five. Getting older every every year you get older, and then when you're playing the worst team in the NBA, then like it's it, it just it's you don't really have a lot of room to to, to work with there. Uh, yeah, it you know it just ends up being what it is. But listen, they got off him. They got something in reverse. Quentin Grimes at least a young player, but you know showed he has a little bit of talent. So you know whatever Pistons aren't really in a position to be. They're not going anywhere. I think they thought, you know, Bogdanovich had some value, which he does, and they could get some first-round picks, which would be great for a rebuilding team, but that wasn't able to happen. Regardless of which, they got a young player, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to what matters. The Knicks um, got a lot better. They won the trade deadline, for sure. I think they were first and foremost. Dallas, for me, would be second. But by far and uh, uh, way out ahead is the New York Knicks. You added a guy who's capable of scoring 15 to 20 points a night in Bogdanovich. All right, so you add a third option. No, I'm not calling it a big three, but my God, is he a good player? He's like, Bogdanovich is funny. He's not a star, obviously, but he's better than a role player. You know what I mean? So it's just like role players average anywhere from like six to 10, 11, the really good ones. Bogdanovich averages like 15 to 20. It's not a role player. He's a very good scorer. And so he's in that like Tobias Harris for the Sixers range where he's not your yes, star, your yes. main guy, but he's too good to be... Something yeah, else. He's too you can't call be, yeah, a role that, player. You can't call yeah, you can't call a guy who makes $180 million a role player. You know what I mean? Tobias, but Tobias Harris isn't an all-star or a star either. He makes star money. Congrats to Tobias and his agent. <laughs> but he is he is a but he's not a role player either. Tobias is a guy that historically always puts up really good numbers, better than role player numbers. So that's what Bogdanovich can be essentially for the Knicks, a guy who can really alleviate pressure on Julius Randle and Brunson. Because now you got a guy who can kind of come in and chip in and score a little 15, 16, 17, 18 points. By the way, 
Burks ain't no scrub either. And this is the guy who was just there for previous years. He has a rapport with this entire team, especially Tibbs, a guy he just played for. So they, they brought him back. He's a two-way player, can defend, and can shoot the ball, more importantly, and so can Bogdanovich. You have two guys who can spread the floor, shoot, and will play hard and play both ways. This entire team has been built around Tibbs. They had all the pieces even before this trade where like, yo, the Knicks are kind of dangerous with OG there. Now you add Bogdanovich and Burks. Like, bro, they have a very deep team. They're deep. They're very talented. They have a hard-nosed team, and they're well-coached. The Knicks are in contention now for a title, or at least to go to one. I don't think they beat the Celtics, but they could. The Celtics aren't, like, invincible, as we've seen in previous years. They can get got to in the playoffs if things get interesting. Miami was able to do it last year. I mean, my God, the Knicks are going to have – I mean, now the pressure's on. That, that You can't go to the first round and lose, or you can't get smacked by, like, an Atlanta or, or lose bad to a Miami, you know, not, not with this roster. Um, so, you know, it, it's, um, it's interesting that they're, they're going to have to perform and they're going to have to, you know, get ready to hoop. So when you lose guys like RJ Barrett and quickly for OG, all right, you know, that's a great trade for them. It worked out for them, but you know, you lost those two guys. Now you're bringing in a Burks and a Bogdanovich for pretty much, you know, nothing guys that weren't playing in Fournier and Grimes. So you got these two guys that could fill it up when you lost those two guys and you got an OG. You know what I mean? So it's it's unbelievable what they were able to do in their roster from the beginning of the season until now. You know, before the season started, you and me didn't, you know, we did a little season preview. We didn't really talk about the Knicks. They weren't on my mind at all. Now I can't stop thinking about the Knicks. I think they're unbelievable. They're deep. But my question for you is, how does Bagdanovich fit? Is he a Tibbs guy? He's not a Tibbs guy. So, he, he, I, he, I mean, he's know. a hard-nosed playing guy, man. He's a competitive dude, man. I think that's all you have to do to be to play for Tibbs. You got to be competitive. Here's the good news: he missed all the hard parts with Tibbs. Tibbs is hard to deal with in the beginning of the season, training camp, early practices. You know, three, four hours long. Uh, 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 the, the film, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's where Tibbs can kind of uh, also the amount of minutes he plays guys can wear a team down. Bogdanovich is joining him 50 games into the year, man. The season is almost over. So at this point. You know, they're, they're, they're in, like, win-now mode. They're resting a lot of guys due to little minor injuries. OG's going to be out for another three, four weeks. He'll have time to fit in. They're going to be playing him more because so. Um, he'll be fine. He could score the ball, spread the floor. He competes. He defends. He has size on him. They're gonna, I think he's going to fit just right in, man. I, I really do. Um, we didn't talk about the Knicks early on just because they had the same team as last year just going into the season. They had a lot of disappointment um, last year postseason. So we didn't see enough for us to feel like, all right, well, they have enough. Um, people also always ask that question. If Julius Randle is your second best player, you know, how, how great is your team? Because people want to see him play like he does in the regular season in the playoffs. They want that postseason success, which is still a, a, a big question mark. We've seen him have it at times, but consistently we need to see it. That's going to be, honestly, you know, we talk about X factors for the Lakers. The X factor for, for, for uh, the Knicks, honestly, is I hate calling the star player or one of the star players an X factor. But he has to be, you know what I mean? It's like he needs to play really well for them to have a chance of, we're talking about title contention or the conference finals, bro. We're talking about beating teams like the Celtics. You know, he has to be that. The good news for him is you look around the East, Philly's out. Their best player, Joel Embiid, is probably going to be out for the season. And even if he comes back, I don't, I don't, which I don't see happening before the playoffs, you got to ask yourself, you know, what Joel you're getting back there who sat out that much time after a knee surgery. So I'll put Philly out the race. Uh, the Bucks are struggling. Um, you know what I mean? So anyway, and I, they'll find their way, but still, the East is wide open with the exception of Boston. Uh, and then obviously you can't count out Miami just due to the, what they do in the playoffs, but still, the Knicks have a chance here. You look at their roster and what they've been able to add, and depth-wise, my God, you know, this team is, is 
they, they can do it. They can win. Uh, and their their front office has been incredible, bro. You know, I mean, you you look at what they've added, all the pieces they've added this year. Uh, the signing of Jalen Brunson for $100 million that everybody clowned. You know what I mean? Uh, now that's one of the best contracts in basketball. Um, they have done a great job rebuilding, revamping this team and putting them in a, in a position to not only for this year, but for years to come because they have so many assets that they can trade. They have like seven, eight, nine guys that are movable pieces to other teams, whether it's to get picks or other players. They're in very control of their own destiny right now. That's all you really want to see from a fan standpoint. And we talk about the Knicks. We haven't seen stability in their franchise for a long time. You know, you remember those Phil Jackson years and the years after that. And everybody talked about the owner, ownership of the team and his willingness to spend money. Um, you know, what direction the Knicks franchise is, how they can't land big stars. Here we are, 2024. Uh, they have one of the best records in the East. They're loaded with depth. They have a star young point guard who's been one of the best point guards in the NBA. Uh, and they have a, a cast around him of really, really good players. I mean, they are they are in contention, one hundred percent. The Knicks, you know, Stephen A. Smith, all the diehard Knicks fans, they gotta they gotta be excited about this. And I'm I'm really excited for Knicks fans because okay, so as long as I can remember, you know, we have the '90s Knicks who were tough, and that was kind of like embodied like you know the New York culture over there. You know, that those '90s rough teams, and then. Then it was quiet for a while. They had, you know, they had those weird years in the 2000s where they were taking on bad contracts. They were signing the Jerome James. They had the Marbury years. Bunch of guys. And they weren't in contention at all. They had that really good Carmelo year. I think it was 2012. Carmelo, J.R. Smith, they lost in the second round of the Pacers. And yeah. since then, it's been nothing. And now you're, this is it. You know, they've been waiting for decades for a team like this. And they finally have it. And to get to your Julius Randle point, a couple of years ago, Julius Randle, he was the main guy on the team. You know, they were in the 4-5 matchup with the Hawks. The Hawks won. You know, it was all on Julius Randle. He didn't play as well. He was the best guy on the team. All the pressure was on him. La then the next year, they didn't make the playoffs. Last year, he was dealing with injury when they're on that playoff run. Yep. This year, you know what? Obviously, you said he was the X Factor, but it's not the pressure's not completely on him to perform. I think he can go in there, hopefully healthy, and he just has the most talent around him he's probably ever had in his career, and he's going to be able to just go, hopefully, just play ball, man. You know what I mean? But that's, the, that's what you want. He's still going to have to, you know, Julius has got to average 20 plus per game, man. You know what I mean? For them to win. Can just, you know, they're going to have role players. Listen, bringing Bogdanovich and Burks will help alleviate a lot of pressure just because those are guys who could put the ball in the basket. But listen, we know who it starts and ends with. It's going to be Brunson and Randall. Randall's got to be that guy. Uh, Brunson has asserted himself to the best player on the team. We know that. Uh, but Randall has, still has his moments and is a key part of this team. And they're going to need him to really perform in the postseason. Let's get to the Dallas Mavericks side of things. So they were the other winner, the big winner of the uh, trade deadline. I like Daniel Gafford a lot. We talked about it earlier. Luca's really good with a lob threat. Derek Lively, you could just see his impact on the team as a, as a you know nineteen year old rookie. How good he's been for them, but he's been in and out of the lineup. And one he's of the, still young. One of the steel. Uh, yeah, he's very young, and he is one of the steals of the draft. Someone that they could build going forward. He's very young. His best days are way ahead of him, like four or five years ahead of him. Um, so they got time with that, which was a great job. But this is a guy that you could play now as kind of a backup. Gatford is a guy who has started for the Warriors, a good lob threat, who Luca Wizards, always does yeah. well with. I'm sorry, yeah, the Wizards. Uh, and Gafford's done a great job there. And you put him now with Luca, be a great fit in another lob threat, which we know Luca likes to have. Um, more importantly, they kind of cleaned up house. They, they got rid of Grant Williams, who uh, by every report that was coming out of Dallas, wasn't really meshing and gelling with the team down there. In fact, he kind of voiced his way out of there pretty quickly. It seems like uh, reports I heard coming out of Dallas early in the season um, that they wanted him out of there and that the uh, guys didn't really get along with him and like him. Um, 
similar things to what I heard in Boston too, but he was close with Tatum, which is what held that down. You know, he was very close to the best friend of the team. You close to the best friend of the team, don't you kind of get away with anything. I remember in Houston, you know, in Houston, we had days where PJ would talk a lot or he'd be a little extra. PJ is James Harden's best friend, man. You know what I mean? At that time. So it's just like, you know, still is. He's still playing with him. <laughs> yeah. um, you know what I mean? So it's just like it, sometimes, you know, you never want to outdo your welcome. Um, if you, cause he didn't get along with Luca. You're not a Luca guy. And, he, and when I say not get along, man, I'm, I'm not saying that there's beef or like there's not problems. Cause I'm not in that locker room. I don't like to speak like I don't know. But what I heard is that he wasn't really close with anybody in the locker room, particularly any of the stars. So if you're not a Kyrie guy, you're not a Luca guy, and then you're a guy who's also very vocal and loud, like in the locker room, and then more importantly on the court, you're not backing it up with your performance. People are just going to be like, yo, he's got to go. I think Jay Kidd and those guys are like, it's time for him to get out of here. They got rid of him, got P.J. Washington, who's actually a talented player, but he's just been wasting away in Charlotte. Um, and now he's on a team that's trying to go to the playoffs, competing, and he's a stretch four. Be great for the pick and roll with Luca. He's going to get wide open threes. They've added more shooting. Um, they, they did pretty well. I, I like them as well. Again, this was a minuscule free agency within itself. We didn't get any of the big names. Pascal Siakam like stole the trade deadline, and he has been uh, he's been good for the Pacers. Uh, but even that's going to take its time. But yeah, that that's that was that was the biggest player that we saw moved. Um, so you know, it was a quiet quiet season this year in terms of the trade market. What was out there? What was available? Um, I saw a lot of guys frustrated that they didn't get moved. PJ Washington, uh, PJ Tucker, actually speaking of which, had some comments to say. Uh, I think yesterday he came out with that quote. He was just like, "It's very frustrating. I don't know why I'm here. You know, I, I want to leave." It's, it's very tough to say those comments and then go back to practice the next day. Um, so you know, I feel for him, but it's just like, bro, you're you know, you're thirty, what, thirty nine, thirty nine years old, man. You're still making ten million. Like, just be. Just be thankful. You're playing for the living here in LA. Just try to enjoy it. Be a good teammate. Maybe this summer you can get moved somewhere and go play. Otherwise, just 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 ride out in the sunset, dog. You know what I mean? You got a 30 ball on your way out. That never happens to anybody. That never happens, bro. At, at his age and with his productivity and the numbers that he's putting up or not putting up, should I say, in the game? You know what I mean? Like, bro, he's making $10 million a year, 11 or something like that. Like, just, just, just ride out in the sunset. Seriously. Right. You and, you know what? and you know what? Hell, hell of a career as far as what how it started and where he was playing overseas and doing different bro, things. For him to go overseas, yeah, bro, one hundred percent. So PJ Tucker, you've made amazing lemonade out of some you know some tough bro, moments, and you've you've yeah. been able to yeah, and you were a part of some big playoff moments, and yeah, you know, he's had a exactly. hell of a career. Yeah, and he's niched out his own lane, you know, in the fashion world, and he's he's networked well, and you know, PJ's done his fucking stuff, man. And, you know, shout out to PJ Tucker. You know, you got to ask yourself, it's like PJ, what do you you want a team to trade for you? At, 41 years old, 42, like that's when your contract, like, come on, bro. The only guys playing in the NBA after that was Udonis Haslam, who was a player's coach um, for the same organization he was with for 20 plus years. And LeBron James, dog. You know what I mean? So it's just like, PJ's time is probably up. Uh, my thing to PJ is like, bro, look what you've done, man. You, you, you are a guy overseas. You're not like a great shooter. You don't have a handle. You don't have a very particular, particular skill set on offense. You got it literally out the mud. By playing defense, outworking guys, making all the energy plays, and scrapping. By the way, I still think PJ could go somewhere. If he gets in shape and like goes somewhere, um, he could still help a playoff team. Like right now. I, I really do believe that. Will he get another deal after next year? I don't think so. I think this is, you know, at 40 years old, you know, it's just what's gonna happen with PJ. 
Um, but as of right now, since he's still on this deal, could he go somewhere and actually make it a difference? Yeah, he could. But, you know, his contract is, you know, he does make 11. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think the value of him was so high, was high to enough where, like, Clippers were looking at trades for him and they weren't getting anything back. So, you know, he's going to have to just kind of ride it out. At least you're riding it out in Los Angeles is my, is my thing. There's, there's, more, there's, there's worse places to be, man. So, um, you know, it's tough. And, I, again, Dallas did a great job. Um, you know, Grant Williams is in Charlotte now, which is fucking hilarious in, in some ways, I guess, kind of just like with the dynamic of how he is in that, that culture down there. He actually might be able well, to help. Well, no bullshit. Okay, so, so, so I was going to say, you know what? I understand what Charlotte's doing because you bring in Seth Curry and Grant Williams. Seems like, you know, we, we know Seth, obviously, great guy. Grant Williams seems like a great guy at the end of the day. They're bringing in some some vets, some good guys into that organization. You know what I mean? They're going to they're gonna clean that up over there. And so I like what they did. Obviously, Seth from Charlotte, so he's a hometown guy. So I like what I think Charlotte's kind of moving in the right direction. They have Brandon Miller. They have a star. Let's bring some solid vets yep. around him. And let's, you know, even though they lost Gordon Hayward, that's just the next trade I wanted to talk about. Gordon Hayward going to the OKC. Um, they, that's where they're, you know, Charlotte was still able to bring in some vets. But how, how do you feel about Gordon Hayward in uh, Oklahoma City? Interesting move for them because, you know, their entire roster is young and then they bring in kind of an older guy now. You know what? It is really interesting. Um, but they could have used some more depth. They have a good young lineup. They have some talented pieces. But when you go off to their bench, the, the, you know, the guys that they were supposed to be using, they really weren't. You know, Trey Mann, some of these guys who are very talented scorers, like those guys couldn't even see any minutes. Trey Mann's kind of been wasting away over there on the bench. They've given him some opportunities. Hasn't really been able to fit or flow in the league. Uh, you know, they have Iso Joe. That's kind of the only guy they have who's able to, you know, come off the bench and even do some stuff for them in terms of shooting. I call him ISO Joe. It's it's a Isaiah Joe, Joe. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah Joe. Joe. ISO Joe's ISO Joe uh, uh, was a different ISO beast. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that that, that 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 was a whole different level of a player. Um, did not mean to disrespect Joe Johnson like that. Um, but uh, they they have Isaiah Joe who can provide shooting. He's actually been a really good find for them coming from Philly. A lot of teams kind of passed upon him, and he's done well there. Um, now you had a guy like Gordon Hayward, man. You know, again, he's on the back end of his career. But as a guy who can still go out there and score, you put him in the bench, put him off the bench. Uh, you know, you could even start him if you really want to. But this is a guy who could score the ball, help with some scoring, especially with SGA and the, the, the toll that's on his body every night to go out there and perform. It gives him a little bit of veteran experience as they're trying to go to the playoffs and win now. I really would have liked him to go get Andre Drummond. Like, just go get a big somehow. I don't know what that's you got. What you I got thought, a, that's why I'm a little surprised. If, I, if you would have told me the Thunder made a move yesterday, I thought it would have been for a backup big. And for them to get a, a kind of another perimeter player was a little, you know, a little shocking to me. But they they need to help out Chet Holmgren down there. He's going to wrestle with Jokic in the playoffs and and Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. And, you know, the West is, you know, Anthony Davis. The West has a lot of tough bigs. So I'm just a little surprised that they didn't get another big. It's surprising to me just due to the fact that when you look at the playoffs, who OKC is going to have to beat if they're serious about making a contention, whether it's beating the Lakers if they're able to get in. If it's beating the Nuggets, it's beating the Timberwolves. These are all teams surrounded by heavy, big bigs. You know, Chet's a great player. He's just very young and he's light. I like him as a roamer and a shot blocker, not a guy taking, you know, the bulk of, you know, back downs from Jokic. He's just too light. And then you ask yourself, this is a guy who just got over missing a full year for his rookie year. And then it had to be this year as a rookie, like just in terms of longevity and health, and keeping him healthy, like, go get some guy with some size that can bang around in there so you can keep Chet loose and free and be a roamer, man. Like, you got to be out here guarding Jokic or whoever he's going to be guarding. That, that ain't the answer. You know what I mean? I would have loved for them to go get an Andre Drummond 
um, or some player like that nature to really help, but they, they weren't able to get that done. Yeah, even even you know the Mavs picked up Daniel Gaffer. I thought that would have been a really good pickup for the Thunder. Yeah, yeah. You know, Especially even, with, all those even picks, with all the picks they have, I mean, it just seems like they could have got anybody really they wanted. I think they'd rather have the thousand picks than to help out shut down low. But even the teams in the West that might that make the playoffs silly that to me. don't that don't have all star bigs. Um, even the Pelicans in a two seven matchup, I don't want to see Valanciunas just in Chet wrestling down there. I mean, Valanciunas or Nurkic on the on the Suns. Like these are big guys that Chet in a playoff series is gonna have to tussle with down low and I, I don't know yeah for a for a 20 well, 21 year old that's a lot of work they got to play that other guy Jalen Williams the other dude not that not the young player but the other the big guy Jalen Williams they got to play him more I guess just just through the fact that he is a bigger man in terms of size he's heavier that's a guy that you can kind of throw down there and hope that he can hold his weight a little bit better at the very least he'll give you he'll take a lot of charges that's what he's always done yeah yeah another trade that happened kind of you know nothing that Stole headlines. Buddy Heald finally traded from the Pacers. So it's about time. Great trade for Philly. The Lakers worked on trying to get him for years, giving up, you know, offering first round picks, this and that. And it sounds like he just kind of trade. He gets traded to Philly for, you know, not an expensive fee there. The longer you wait, the worse that, the, you know, it's going to get. The asking price drops, 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 drops. In fact, you know, there's only rarities in which a player just starts to excel out of nowhere and play even better and the price goes up. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you don't get a lot of D-Low action. You know, D-Low's about to get traded. This guy starts playing his, his ass off. Suddenly, he's kind of untradeable uh, or he's not worth trading. So, you know, that's one of those things um, that you would like to see from a lot of players. But And credit to D-Low, by the way. I know this is a sidebar, but for him to step up and play that type of basketball being on the trade deadline, that is no easy feat, um, especially in the mainstream media and playing for the Lakers. This guy was getting attacked brutally every single night on the internet. This, this, and that. We need to trade him for this. Well, you know, they're coming up with conversations in every Reddit Lakers fan conversation or, 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 or you know, club. They were, so what can we get for D'Lo? What can we get? I mean, like as if like it was just a done deal already. This guy goes out there and just shuts everybody up, plays well, so much so to the point where they're like, everyone's like, don't trade him. You know what I mean? That's that's very impressive. You don't see that from a lot of guys. Um, as far as Buddy Heald goes, this is the guy whose name has been trade talks. People always want Buddy Heald and then they want to trade him. It's so strange to me. This guy's in the trade discussions every fucking season. We, at some point, we're talking about Buddy Heald being traded. For a guy in modern day NBA, uh, modern day NBA who can shoot the ball as well as he can, you kind of start to ask yourself, well, I don't, I don't even know why that is because he can really help a lot of teams. Um, great move for Philly. And I'll tell you why. Philly's not doing anything this year, especially with Joel Embiid down. We'll just scratch this year off. You know, it's very disappointing to people, but listen, he had some knee problems. Let's get this guy to have a successful surgery. Let's arrest him up. We don't need to rush him back for this year for what? No, we got $55 million in cap room we're going to have this summer. We can go out there and sign actually some like big time players. Uh, we have some people coming off the books of their contracts to buy his hair, a bunch of other guys, they, guys that they can move off of. They have assets they can trade. They have assets they can bring in. Now you brought in Buddy Heald shooting. Around Joel Embiid, great. You're going to have Maxi. You're going to have, uh, 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 obviously, a healthy Embiid by the time next season comes around. Dynamic duel, boom, boom. You have shooting with with um, uh, with Buddy Heald. You had players that you brought in on a one-year deal that have played well that you'll probably resign. The Oubre's uh, and, and such. You have Melton. You have a lot of good role players. And again, most importantly, they have that cap space this summer to really be patient and go out there and see what comes on the market for them to really go get a good player. Uh, Philly is in prime position to contend next season. Uh, and them getting Buddy Hill really shows me that they believe that. They're like, you know, let's just go grab some players now. 
couple of players that we could see. Buddy Hill's a good little steal. Let's grab him. He could shoot. He could play. He could score the ball. Let's grab him. That's what they did. They'll hoop this year, and then next year we're going to really go out there and, and get it done uh, or try to. So uh, I like that move for Philly. That's more of like a move for this for the future. You know. Next okay, year. so. So you changed my mind a little bit. When I first heard that move, and I see that Philly got off of Pat Beverly and even Jaden Springer. I'm, okay, their perimeter defense, they can't guard anybody anymore, right? They lost two really good yep. perimeter defenders. You bring in Buddy Heald. But you're saying it's not about this year. You know, and so... Yeah, you're, you're, yeah you're I don't think they're doing it. anything this year anyway. Yeah, they're not doing anything. They're not winning anyway. Okay. They're not going anywhere without Joel Embiid. So at this point, it's just like, all right, why don't we get off players that we think we can get off of and get some like assets, and then this summer we can go get what we need with the money we have. We can go pay guys this year to go play, not this summer, play defense. We need some defenders, we can go pay for it. We need this, we can go pay for it. They have cap room. Now you have cap space with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, and then you have a variety of role players that are there around them. They got Paul Reed, you have... Uh, Anthony Melton, you have Buddy Heald, um, and I say Tobias Harris, but that probably won't be the case going into next season, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. And they have cap space to like, go get more players and role players around the most dominant player in basketball and a rising star, Maxi. Like They're going to be really good next year. I think right. they made a good trade. And, you know, to the point of this might be, this, you know, potentially being a lost season for Joel Embiid, I just want everyone to recognize the fact that you see a guy as big as Joel Embiid and his health issues. Let's give let's give Shaq a lot of credit for how long Shaq was able to play with that body and that size. It's kind of crazy that Shaq was able to play so long. Now that you see a guy like Joel Embiid having all these issues, being so heavy. I mean, yeah. Know, what was it from my? What was it from Orlando to Miami? How many years was that? Drafted drafted in ninety two, won a championship in 06 in Miami. That's fourteen years right there. Yeah, fourteen years of dominance. Yeah, that's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, Shaq's a legend for that. Right. And sure. so a lot of people, especially if his heard, size, you know, and I've heard a lot of people, you know, Bill Simmons kind of compared Shaq to, he's the guy that could have had a 4.0, but he said he had like a 3.5 and had some fun. You know what I mean? Like Shaq could have been maybe the best player of all time. He had a little more fun, had that 3.5. What I'm saying is, I think we just give him credit for the longevity. You know what I mean? And, you know, I don't even think, you know, the science wasn't even really there back then. You look at his credit, he played a lot of games, 14 years of dominance. There's not a lot to complain about. I'd say that's a 4.0 in my book. Um, so yeah, uh, but anyways, you know, it's interesting you know, to there, see there, there were years, there were years, I would say between 2000 and 2003, there were moments where I was like, is, is this the best player of all time? <laughs> that, that stretch right there might be, I mean, he's in the conversation for, it's, it's definitely the most dominant and, and it was just, no one could stop him in those three years and couldn't do anything with him. Right. Couldn't and you know what? The, and, and next Tuesday, the magic are retiring his Jersey. Uh, I believe it's a TNT game against Oklahoma City Thunder. So shout out to Shaq. He's going to get his jersey retired in Orlando. The first one Orlando's going to do. So, you know, I, I didn't anticipate on talking about Shaquille O'Neal today, but, you know, hats off to the guy. All right, we mentioned, Pat, we, we mentioned Patrick Beverly getting moved to the Milwaukee Bucks. What do you think that brings to the team? You know, obviously they wanted some perimeter defense, a little toughness. Their defense has been the big question mark all season. That's why they brought in your father. Uh, so what do you think about that move? Uh, yeah, I like, I like Patrick Beverly for them. You know, puts a voice in their locker room. You know, a leader type guy. Um, you know, uh, obviously he's got to work on his relationship with Dane. That was funny on his pod. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a guy who can defend, you know, just add a little toughness, I think leadership to a team. You know, we talked about a team trying to find its identity. They're bringing all these new pieces. They haven't really had a perimeter defense. You know, Pat is older, um, but I still think he can get out there and defend and, and make plays and, and, and be a leader for them in the locker room. One of them of which, uh, but it still starts and ends with Giannis. You know, my point like that yesterday was to Park. You know, Park was like, no, he could be one of the leader, the leader of the Celtics with James Posey. 
bro, James Posey was one of the leaders of the Celtics. He had a voice of that team, 100%. But like, it still started and ended with guys like Paul or, or, or KG. And that's where Damian and, and, and Giannis are really going to have to step up as leaders. Doc as well um, as leaders. Again, Patrick is a voice that can come to the locker room, provide toughness, perimeter defense, no doubt. But those top guys really have to get that done. They got to figure out what they're doing. Obviously, they're one in five. They got to figure out their identity. I keep saying that over and over and over, but that's because they don't have one. You know, they, they, they made major cha- uh, changes. You know, they got a new coach. You swapped out a key player for an, uh, another key player who have totally different games than Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday. You know, now you've had a couple more midseason trades. This is a new team put together on the fly in the middle of a, rough, a really rough stretch where they're playing a lot of tough teams. I think this can you know, make a breaker team. I think this would be really, really good for the Bucs to go through some adversity, really try to find something, band together, stay positive, uh, keep working at it until they can start to string some wins together here. Um, so we'll see. You know, One and five is not the start you obviously want. But, you know, uh, a team of references to look at the Clippers. They started out uh, not being able to buy a game. And then, you know, now they've essentially been the best team in the NBA since. So, uh, you know, it's all about the process. It's all about, you know, understanding where this team could be. When we talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, their success is going to be defined in the playoffs, not what's going on right now in February. So uh, that's the silver lining. Uh, The issue with that is playoffs are right around the corner. Um, So we got to start seeing that ball get rolling now and seeing them play a little bit better. I do like the Patrick Beverly trade. It's not a major trade, um, but it's a trade where you had a guy who is not afraid to say, yo, Giannis, you need to be low side. You know, it's a guy that's not afraid to say, yo, Dame, you got to get over that screen. Dame, that was a bad shot. Hey, we need some more ball movement. You know, you got a guy who's not scared to voice those things in the locker room other than Doc or someone else. That They kind of needed that. They lost a lot with Drew, a lot of leadership. You had a guy like Pat in there who can go in there and kind of ruffle some feathers, do his job, play hard. And then, yeah, he can't add perimeter defense, something that we talked about with Milwaukee that they missed. Um, I think he could help them in a variety of ways. So uh, we'll see, you know, good move for Milwaukee. The last trade I want to bring up to you, it's a former teammate of yours, and he went to a former team of yours, Monte Morris to the Timberwolves, yep. which went under the radar. But I think we talked about before how the Timberwolves do need a backup point guard for Mike Conley, so Mike Conley insurance. Yeah. Do you like that move? I do like that move. Uh, Monte is Mr. Solid. I always like to, you know, he's a solid point guard. You know what you're going to get from him. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You, you put him as the backup point guard to Mike Conley. Now you got a solid backup that you can rely on. He's had success with Tim Conley. Tim knows him. Uh, you know, he had him in Dal- uh, Denver all those years. Um, you know, Monte would be a great fit for them. You know, and, and happy for Monte, man. He goes from being on the worst team in the NBA to being on the best team in the NBA uh, or one of the teams that's playing as the best right now. He goes from being in a situation where, like, in terms of future of his career, there's question marks. Uh, you know, you're playing for the Pistons. You're not playing a lot. They're the worst team in basketball. You know, Monte could have found himself out of the NBA in a couple of years, really being down there in Detroit. Now you get to go be a backup where you're going to get minutes playing on a team trying to win a championship. It can extend his career another four or five years. That's just how crazy the business of basketball is. People have to understand situation is everything. It's everything. I could go to a situation right now and play another 40 years, or I could continue to do media and be out the league. That, that that's That's how thin... That line is for role players in the NBA, especially nowadays with how young the NBA is and how everybody wants picks and wants to do this and that. It can be hard to do. So, yeah, good move for them. Again, a small move, but a nice move. Sometimes the role players, you know, the, you know, you talk about the success of Derek White and all these guys, Josh Hart to the Knicks, you know, these aren't blockbuster trades, but these are trades that have big impacts, you know, on, on a team and their future and, um, you know, their competitive aspirations, you know. So I, I do like Monte. I think he could be solid as a backup. And he'll be good for uh, Minnesota, for sure. All right, so enough deadline talk. I want to talk about a team that we just don't give enough love to. They're 16-1 and in their last 17 games, the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
Ooh. Are they a legitimate threat in the East? And how come people aren't talking about them enough? The only reason people aren't talking about them enough is two reasons. One, every time we talk about the Cavs, it's usually centered around Donovan, Mich- Donovan Mitchell leaving. Uh, everybody thinks he's going to leave this summer. That's first and foremost. So we're like distracted by the Donovan Mitchell foreshadowing of what's going to happen to him in this future. Secondly is their playoff appearance last year was less than stellar to say the least. Uh, they were very disappointing. So people are kind of like skeptic on like really to buy in on that stock until we can see it perform at a high level in the playoffs. With that being said, my God, are they playing good basketball? We talked about the MVP race. We've thrown around names. You know, we obviously have Jokic and Embiid. Embiid's hurt now. So then they're like, okay, who else do we throw in there? People are throwing in Shea. People, well, people have already been throwing in Shea. But now people are throwing in Kawhi Leonard. Donovan Mitchell is a guy that you'll start to see, I think, his name appear in that conversation. He has been brilliant for the Cavs. I mean, unbelievable basketball player. He's been playing his ass off. The Cavs are playing really, really well. They played well even without Darius Garland, some of their guys. Now they have those guys back. So you want to see that train moving, and it is. They're still winning games. They look really, really good. Are they a team that I think is going to go to the conference finals and contend? No, but I do think they go to the playoffs and maybe upset somebody and beat somebody. Cavs aren't a team you want to see first round. That's a team that can go to the playoffs and really cause some issues. Um, you know, I'd love to see them in New York kind of reface again and see how that one turns out because they're both much better teams than they were last year. They both are playing better basketball than they were last year. You know, even them versus Miami, Cleveland versus Miami. Uh, Cleveland is a top tier team in the East now. They've proven that. You know, sixteen and one is no easy feat. This team has been beating everybody and giving it to everybody. Donovan Mitchell's been out, out here just handing buckets out like free pieces of candy, just giving it to everybody who wants some. And they have a talented team. I think they can make a run in the playoffs. For talking contention, contending, title, I mean, we throw this around with everybody, man. It's just such a loose word. I, I still think there's only a few teams in the East that are really holding on to that realistically right now. But, man, who knows? We've seen it in the past. I mean, we've, seen the, we've seen the Hawks make runs. We've seen Dallas make runs and go to the conference finals. And everybody's like, whoa. Things can fucking happen. You get hot at the right time. We're seeing it right now with the Cavs. They go in the playoffs and beat a couple series. The next thing you know, they're in the conference finals. Things are real, real. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, and the Cavs went to Paris midseason and they had a nice trip, took some good photos there. They had a game and they came back hot. So maybe some teams need to start throwing that midseason trip, go to Paris or Mid- something, shake it up. Uh, might... Paris trip. Yeah, because they came back pretty hot. Probably, uh, you know what? Probably, probably a good bonding trip. It was like freezing and rainy there when they went. So it's not like they were out moving and grooving. They probably were inside playing like fucking French cards or something. I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. So if you a see a team next trip. year going, you know, random trip to London or Paris in the middle of the season, we know what they're on. We're on to you guys. But the other thing that the Cavs have been doing too is they've been in some scuffles. You saw Jared Allen last night with Ben Simmons. That was hilarious. Well, for one, listen, I would have loved a little bit something more from Jared Allen there. I love Jared Allen. He's a great guy. But the way that man got tossed by Ben Simmons, at one point he was doing the move from longest yard when the guy slides on his back. and (laughs) (laughs) When the guy slides backwards on his back and is up doing a full handstand on on his elbows, at one point if you freeze that tape, Jared Allen's legs are so high in the air. <laughs> He's doing a fucking handstand after being pushed back so hard by Ben Simmons. He then gets up violently. I was like, uh-oh. Goes up to Ben, and I don't know what that was. He could tell he wanted to push him hard, but he just let off at the last second. He ended up like mushing him, but like moved Ben back like a half a second, like a half but, a foot. But Ben's reaction, smiling and no flinch. 
No, Barry, he just smiled. Did not flinch. Did not move, and just smiled and laughed the entire time. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't look well for 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 Jared, Jared Allen. They both handled it well, though, man. Like, no, what would have been cool if you punched him? Like that wouldn't have looked good. People could say they want it until it happens, and then everybody's like, "Yo, control your emotions." It's so funny with that. Everybody's Absolutely. like, "Yeah, that's a weak, that's a weak ass push by Jared Allen." And then if he would, if he would have went up and rocked Ben and like broke his nose or broke his hand, people would be like, "Yo, you're an idiot." You're what the you hottest doing? team. You're the hottest team in the NBA. Yeah, of course. Hottest team and in the NBA, I'm, man. You get your emotions intact. So it's just like, bro, you, it's like, you take it for what it's worth. Ben reacted the same way he was supposed to. He pushed him down. The guy pushed him. He smiled. You know, Ben did his part. And honestly, Jared did it. We can make fun of it because we were supposed to. It's funny because like the way he fell backwards was comedy, and then his push was just so fucking weak. But at the same time, it's like Jared. Jared Allen could probably have hurt somebody. He's seven foot. He's long. He's athletic. If you really wanted to go up there and sucker punch Ben, he could have. What that would have done for him and the team, nothing. It would have just been negative. So he handled it the right way as well. Uh, but yeah, they've been playing physical. They've been getting into it. Listen, they got a little George Niang, a little minivan over there talking shit. They got they got a lot of guys in that locker room that'll, 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 that you know, that'll get after it. They got a good little team, man. All right, so this is our last pod before the Super Bowl. I have a couple of Super Bowl questions for you. The first one, you're a big music guy. Usher performing at halftime. Scale to 1 to 10. How excited are you? It'll be fire, man. Everybody loves Usher music. I mean, that's why his tour did so good in Vegas. You kind of go back and listen to his music and you're like, damn, he had this many hits. You don't realize how many hits Usher really has. He's getting a whole halftime performance, like squeeze them all in. It's just going to be hit after hit after hit after hit after hit and break dancing and moonwalking and sidestepping and, you know, it's going to be sick, bro. I think everybody's fucking pumped to see some Usher at halftime. It's a great, it's in, it's in Vegas. I got invited to go. I'm like debating it right now. My flight's tomorrow morning to go back to Florida. I'm like, do I go to the Super Bowl? I've been once before. Um, it is just a lot. It's a lot. It's not even like, it's a lot of fun, but it's just, a, the in-between is a lot. Getting to the events is never easy. It's traffic. Uh, the bouncers, uh, the, the, the security, you're on the list. Who's you? How many plus one? This, we're overpacked. Like, it's just a shit show, man. It's a shit show. And every celebrity is going and every athlete that can is going because it's in Vegas so it's a 45-minute, not even 30-minute flight from L.A. The, bro, the L.A. is, if you look outside your window, nobody's here. Everyone is in fucking Super Bowl. Everybody went to Vegas. Everyone I know is in Vegas. Uh, so that just tells you, like, man, how? And everyone's just only going for two nights. They're going for tonight. A lot of people are just going tonight and tomorrow and leaving the Super Bowl day game. Because, like, I'm not actually, a lot of people are like, I'm not actually going to the game. Um, so, I mean, people are just going there to party and stuff. <laughs> I'm just past that point in my life. I don't. I don't really have any aspirations to go like to Vegas, make <laughs> like you drinking and stuff. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. As, I'm cool. you know, as much as as much as it would uh, delight me for you to come back to Orlando and we could watch the game together over some jam hot chicken. Shout out jam hot chicken. I do think you should definitely go to Vegas and watch because for no, for one reason, one reason only. Pat Mahomes. This is something that you might be able to you know tell your kids about down the road that you went and saw him win another. Super Bowl. This guy could be, he's the Tiger Woods. He could be the Jordan. He could be, you know, you know, next Tom Brady, all that stuff. Like, this might be something that you need to go seize the moment because we don't know the next time a good a generational player like that's going to come around. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's putting a resume that's hard to, hard, to, hard to put down right now, and everybody's already putting him in that GOAT category in terms of his, you know, trajectory and where they see him going. So we'll see. Yeah, if you, would you not go back in time right now and go watch one of Michael Jordan's championships against the Jazz if you could? You know what I mean? Like this is this. I think that's the same opportunity. I would. That's because I love basketball. I don't really. I'm not a big football guy as is. So I just, I, you know, I, I've never watched the Super Bowl. I've, I've, I've always just like had it on in the background and been at some event or some party or someone's watching it. I like tune in for like five ten minutes and I'll go like mingle or do something else. I'm not like a football guy. Yeah. 
I don't really care. I do. I respect Pat Mahomes and what he's done in football, and I definitely have a lot of respect uh, for all those guys, professional athletes. They're insane. Uh, and again, everybody watches the Super Bowl, so I'll be tuning in. But like, I'm not a football guy, and my teams are not even playing in it. So it's just like I'm. I'm just gonna be like in and out, especially if I go to the game. You're not watching the damn game. You know what? You know what's going on in there. You know what you're watching if you go to the Super Bowl. There's a lot of other distractions going on other than, than you're gonna be watching Usher and fucking uh, backup dancer and, and uh, this person walking around, this celebrity, and this. There's a lot of like just chaos going around that like the football game ends up being kind of forgotten about a little bit. Um. So I don't know. For a non-football guy, that, that seems about right. It's like, do I really want to go to Vegas, pay some bread, do the whole dance? I could, you know. But to your point, this is when you're supposed to. You spend the money on a Super Bowl weekend. It's like next weekend's like where you're like, yo, relax. Why don't you chill at home? So I get that. Um, so we'll see. We'll make a decision today. So that about does it for this episode, man. Another great one in the books. Pasha, I appreciate you coming on, talking as always, the trade talks, the trade reactions. Uh, this will be fun to see this kind of go down the line, down the season, see how teams end up, especially if we're talking about the Knicks, the Mavericks teams who've made these kind of key role-playing trades to see how these guys can be acquired and really fit in uh, will be interesting. So we'll be back next week to continue to cover the NBAs also, as always. Y'all be safe out there, be easy, and we'll see y'all next week. Me and Pasha Gigi are out. Please, also, before I'm out of here, please don't forget to like, subscribe, Follow us on Instagram, the Off Guard Podcast, as well as listen to us on Spotify and Apple. We are everywhere. Come on, let's build this out together. We need you. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Be safe.